Let's spend some time in prayer together. This prayer from Psalm 51. Purify us from our sins and we will be clean. Wash us and we'll be whiter than snow. Create in us a clean heart, O God. Renew a loyal spirit within us. Do not banish us from your presence. Do not take your Holy Spirit from us. Restore us the joy of your salvation and make us willing to obey you. God, I'm so thankful that you are a loving God and that you are a just God. Lord, when you think about the events that just happened in Pittsburgh over the weekend, many people losing their lives over another senseless shooting, Lord, I pray for the families that are waking up without loved ones this morning. I pray for the hurt that they're going through, that you would give them great comfort. And I pray, God, that you would wake the rest of us up and realize that you are the only hope for the world. You're the only place where we can find peace, where we can find joy, where we can find the answers to, to these questions that we have. Lord, I pray that even this morning in the service here at Good News, we'd be moved to worship you more. We'd be moved to follow after you, to follow after your spirit. Lord, I know that my sins are many, and I desperately need your grace and your mercy. And so I pray, God, that we would feel your presence through this service. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Every week we've been sharing uh, one of the Westminster Confession Shorter Catechism questions uh, so you can get to know a God and get to know uh, Him more. And question 86 is, what is faith in Jesus Christ? And the answer is, faith in Jesus Christ is a saving grace whereby we receive and rest upon Him alone for salvation as He's offered to us in the gospel. And our purpose is going to come up on the screen. And we like to proclaim this purpose, as you'll see through this message, to be reminded that we're a rescue station, that we're not a country club, but we're a rescue station for those who desperately need Jesus. So if you say this purpose with me, it's to reach and transform people by the power of the gospel in biblical community. Uh, last week, if you weren't here, you really should go online. You should subscribe to our, our uh, podcast so you could hear the message that uh, Pastor Smiley gave uh, last week on this campus. Pastor Dave at our uh, Wildwood campus last week while I was in uh, Mexico. It was a great message to start off our series on the end times. We've been going through the book of Mark, and it's led us to Mark chapter 13, where it talks about the end times and Jesus coming again. So last week, uh, um, Smiley preached about how Jesus is returning and the information that we need to know about him returning. So we're going to review a little bit of that this morning, but if you'd like to know the information about his return, please listen to that message. This week, we're going to look at how the end times, how Jesus returning really should change us now. And next week, we're going to look at what it's going to look like for us for all eternity as believers in the new heavens and the new earth. It's going to be a really exciting week to be able to share with you what it's really like. Because most believers think that it's just going to be like an eternal church service. And some of you are happy about that. A lot of you aren't happy about that. But it's going to be so much more than that. So we're excited to be able to share that with you. I got a chance this past week to go to Mexico, to go to some of our church plants in Mexico. And it was so inspiring to see how your generosity over the years has allowed us to plant churches uh, throughout Mexico and how those churches are thriving. And so the next few weeks you get to hear uh, more and more about that. And I'm so excited to be able to share that with you. But this week as we're talking about end times and how it should affect us now, we need to realize that people go crazy over prophecy stuff. I mean... You see it all the time. 
You see it on the news about all these different cult leaders sharing about how they know what's going to happen in the end times. And people get really crazy in the church about it. And there's all kinds of arguments of what, what the end times are really going to look like. And we obsess over it as a culture in the end times. And one way we can see that we obsess over it is that there's so many movies about the end times. I mean, there's just a few of them that I want to name here. The, end, the day the world ended. No blade of grass. The day the earth caught fire. Um... The Quiet Earth, The Rapture, The Time of the Wolf, The Night of the Comet, It's a Disaster, The Day After, The Threads. This is by probably my favorite movie here, Rapture Palooza, and uh, who could forget Terminator 2. So that's just a, a few about what the end times are going to look like. We obsess over prophecy, we obsess over the end times, and the thing that you need to know the most is that Jesus is returning. And the thing that's so important and so vital to you uh, for you to know why Jesus is returning and why I know that for certain is because Jesus is a promise keeper and he promised that he was returning, that he is going to return. If somebody promises you something and they come through on that promise, the next time they promise you something, are you more or less likely to think they're going to come through? More or less. More, of course, right? Because they've shown that they're really faithful. They've shown that they've been faithful in a promise. And so, of course, the next time they promise you something, you're more likely to believe that they're going to actually do it. So did Jesus promise that he was going to go to Jerusalem and be betrayed and be arrested and be crucified and killed? Did he promise that and did he come through? Yes or no? Yes. And did Jesus promise that on the third day that he was going to raise from the dead? Did that happen? Yes or no? Yes. Yes, he, he promised and then it happened. And then he, did he promise that when he was going to go to heaven that he was going to send down his Holy Spirit for us? Did he promise that and did that happen? Yes or no? Yes. You see, he's promised some pretty big things, some pretty significant things in our life. He's shown over and over and over that he is faithful. So he has promised that he is going to return again. And because he's fulfilled all the other of his promises to us, then we can be certain that he is coming again. And I know some of you are thinking, well, come on, let's go. What are we waiting for? You see, the reason that Jesus is waiting is because he is a loving and gracious God also. See, many of you have family members, have friends, have classmates, have coworkers who don't know Jesus. There may be some of you here in this room that you've never trusted in Jesus for eternal life. And that's why he's waiting. That's why he's delaying his second coming, to give you a chance to be able to be forgiven of your sins and put your faith and trust in Christ. But it's absolutely vital that he returns. Because if he doesn't return, then we're stuck in this state of things. We're stuck in a world where there's mass shootings. We're stuck in a world where there is, there is cancer, where there's disease, where there's hurting people, where there's marriages that are, are dissolving, where there's all kinds of issues in our finances and in our schools and in our workplace, all kinds of ways that we see sin in our world. If Jesus doesn't return, then we're stuck in that. But he's promised that he's going to return and he's going to renew and he's going to restore all things.
And we see that in Mark chapter 13. Now, Mark chapter 13 is a really, really vital piece of scripture. And so we're spending three weeks on it. But it's a whole chapter, and I thought I could stand up here and I could read the whole chapter because I think it's really important that we see how all Scripture flows together. But I thought it would be a little bit more interesting if we do a dramatic reading of this Scripture. For, so for the next few minutes, here's that dramatic reading of, of Mark chapter 13. Chapter 13. As he was leaving the temple, one of his disciples said to him, Look, teacher, what massive stones, what magnificent buildings. You see all these great buildings, replied Jesus. Not one stone here will be left on another. Every one will be thrown down. As Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives opposite the temple, Peter, James, John, and Andrew asked him privately, Tell us, when will these things happen? And what will be the sign that they are all about to be fulfilled? Jesus said to them, Watch out that no one deceives you. Many will come in my name, claiming... I am he, and will deceive many. When you hear of wars and rumors of wars, do not be alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in various places, and famines. These are the beginning of birth pains. You must be on your guard. You will be handed over to the local councils and flogged in the synagogues. On account of me, you will stand before governors and kings as witnesses to them. And the gospel must first be preached to all nations. Whenever you are arrested and brought to trial, do not worry beforehand about what to say. Just say whatever is given you at the time, for it is not you speaking, but the Holy Spirit. Brother will betray brother to death, and a father his child. Children will rebel against their parents and have them put to death. All men will hate you because of me, but he who stands firm to the end will be saved. When you see the abomination that causes desolation standing where it does not belong, let the reader understand. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let no one on the roof of his house go down or enter the house to take anything out. Let no one in the field go back to get his cloak. How dreadful it will be in those days for pregnant women and nursing mothers. Pray that this will not take place in winter, because those will be days of distress unequaled from the beginning, when God created the world until now, and never to be equaled again. If the Lord had not cut short those days, no one would survive. But for the sake of the elect whom he has chosen, he has shortened them. At that time, if anyone says to you, Look, here is the Christ, or look, there he is, do not believe it. For false Christs and false prophets will appear and perform signs and miracles to deceive the elect, if that were possible. So be on your guard. I have told you everything ahead of time. But in those days following that distress, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from the sky and the heavenly bodies will be shaken. At that time men will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory. And he will send his angels and gather his elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the ends of the heavens. Now learn this lesson from the fig tree. As soon as its twigs get tender and its leaves come out, you know that summer is near. Even so, when you see these things happening, you know that it is near, right at the door. I tell you the truth, this generation will certainly not pass away until all these things have happened. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. 
No one knows about that day or hour, not even the angels in heaven or the Son, but only the Father. Be on guard, be alert. You do not know when that time will come. It's like a man going away. He leaves his house and puts his servants in charge, each with his assigned task, and tells the one at the door to keep watch. Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know when the owner of the house will come back, whether in the evening or at midnight, or when the rooster crows, or at dawn. If he com comes suddenly, do not let him find you sleeping. What I say to you and I say to everyone, watch. I've been practicing that. It's a really amazing chapter of scripture and we really see things that are happening in our world right now line up don't we i mean it's amazing how scripture lines up with life because it is true and so what we're going to do this morning is we're going to combine our point and action step and we're going to talk about that for the rest of the message if you're new uh, visiting here for the first time we had like to have one point and one action step each week and for this week we're getting crazy and we're combining both of them that Jesus' return propels us now to rescue others. And we're going to talk about different ways that he does that. And when we hear information that happens in our life, it propels us to action. When we hear that someone is sick in our family, it propels us to pick up the phone and call them. When we hear that there's someone in our small group in need, it propels us to go on takethemameal.com and take them a meal. When our favorite band or musician comes to town, what does it propel us to do? It propels us to go and get tickets for it because we want to go see that band or musician. I want to show you an example of that right now. Anybody here like for King and Country? Anybody like for King and Country? All right. Alan, I saw you in the back first. So if I told you if you wanted tickets to their upcoming concert or coming to Jacksonville, all you have to do is come up here right now, what would it propel you to do? Yeah, propel you to get up and walk down. Come on. I was a little scared you weren't going to get up, but you're coming. You're coming down to do it. But I've got two tickets to their upcoming concert in December here in Jacksonville to propel you to action to go to King and Country. So hope you enjoy that, man. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. <laughs> See, when we hear something, it propels us to action. And Jesus' return should propel us now to take action so that we can rescue others. You see, Jesus' return propels us now to rescue others by having spiritual alertness first. Do you know that the New Testament writers were so eager for Jesus' return that they wrote about it often? 300 times in the New Testament they wrote about it. One out of every 13 verses is about Jesus' return. If you were spiritually alert that Jesus was going to return, then of course your actions would be different. If you knew Jesus was going to return today, you would do things differently. There's a church that I heard about this week that at the end of every service, they say, the Lord is coming. The pastor says, the Lord is coming. And the congregation says, and it could be today. Maybe we'll start doing that here at Good News. But it could be today. This could be your last time to repent from your sins and turn to Jesus. This could be the last time that you have a chance to forgive someone in your life. This could be the last time you have to share the gospel. It could happen at any time. We're living in the end times, and so we need to make sure that we're prepared ourselves. We need to make sure that we're prepared for what's going to certainly happen. We're either going to die 
100%. None of us are getting out of this life alive. Or Jesus is going to return. One of those two things is going to happen, and we need to be spiritually alert. I can remember a time in my life, not so long ago, that I definitely was not spiritually alert. I remember just hanging out with Christy before I was a Christian, uh, hanging out on the Flagler College campus, and we started talking about spiritual things. And she asked me, she said, what do you think heaven will be like? You know what I said? I said, Christy, I'm here with you now. I think I'm in heaven. <laughs> Woo! You like that, huh? You like that? That was pretty smooth, right? And she just kind of rolled her eyes and said, no, what do you really think about heaven? And I told her, I said, I said well, I, I don't know. I'm not even sure you're in heaven exists. I, I was definitely not spiritually alert. How about you? I mean, if I were to ask you right now, are you sure that you're going to be with God in heaven someday? What would you say? And what would you say if I asked you, if God were to ask you, why should I let you into my heaven, what would you say? Now, I know the most common answer because I'm a pastor. And I've asked this question uh, lots of times to people. Do you know what the most common answer is why I should let you into my heaven? Do you guys know? That's right. Very good. The answer is because I'm a good person, I've done lots of good things. And maybe that's your answer too. I want to tell you right now, as I do the most loving thing that I could do, if your answer is because I'm a good person, I have to tell you that the Bible says that that's not the right answer. You see, the Bible says that for us to get into heaven on our own, we not only have to be good, we have to be perfect. And so we always compare ourselves morally to someone that's worse than us. So of course we say we're better than so-and-so that, that we're thinking, but none of us are perfect. We all fall short. That's the, that's the bad news, is that we all fall short. But the good news is that the gift of eternal life, the gift of being able to go to heaven is a free gift. It's not deserved or earned. And Americans really struggle with that. Because our whole life we've been told what? If you want to accomplish anything, what do you have to do? You've got to earn it. You've got to work hard. And so our pull, our nature is to say, if there is a God. I can remember growing up thinking, that if there is a God, I wasn't sure if there was or not. But if there was a God, I remember thinking, that in order to please him, I must have to do really good things. But I was set free by the gospel, and I want you to be set free too. Because scripture says that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. And it's so important that it is a gift because all of us have fallen short, all of us have sinned, all of us have messed up. I'm chief of it, I'm front of the line of falling short as a pastor, as a father, as a husband. As a follower of Jesus, I struggle each and every day to follow after his word. And because we sin, it's so vital that it is a free gift because none of us can earn it and none of us deserve it. Because Jesus is a loving and merciful God and he wants to forgive us of our sins, but he's also a just God. And we've sinned against him over and over and over and over and over and there has to be an answer for all of those sins. And so you see the, the dilemma, but thankfully with, with God, there is no dilemmas. He sent Jesus to solve that problem. He sent the infinite God-man from heaven to earth. He came on this earth and lived a perfect life, a life we could never imagine living. And then he died 
on the cross for nothing that he did wrong, for everything that we've done wrong and that we were to do wrong and that we will do wrong. And he took all that sin on the cross and he died a painful and terrible and awful death. But then he rose from the dead victorious over our sin. And if we trust in him and we believe in him, we can have eternal life. Have you ever trusted in him? That day is coming. That day where you'll face death or where Jesus will return is coming. It could be today. Are you prepared? If you've never asked Jesus for forgiveness of your sins, if you've never trusted in him, I want to say a simple prayer right now. And you can say it with me. It's not about the words that you say, but it's about trusting him. If you'd like to do it, pray this with me. Dear Jesus, forgive me of my sins and come into my life as my Lord and Savior. Amen. If you did that for the first time, I want to be the first to tell you congratulations. Welcome to the family of God. That you don't have to worry what's going to happen after your death. You don't have to be concerned what's going to happen if Jesus returns. Because you have his grace, his forgiveness, his eternal life. If you've done that for the first time, mark that on your card so we can help you grow in your faith and rejoice with you for what you've done. You see... Jesus' return propels us to have spiritual alertness. I know many of you in, the, in this room have already accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, but we get so distracted by what? By all the things that happen at school, all the things that happen at work, all the vacations that we're going to go on, all the extracurricular activities that we forget that Jesus might return today. And we need to be spiritually alert. And it also carries over to having mission urgency. See, I don't know if you knew this or not, but if you're a believer in Jesus, you are a missionary. You're a missionary for him, and we gather together every Sunday morning in our little missions conference that we have here at Good News Church, and, and hopefully you're inspired by his word, hopefully you're inspired by music to worship him, and then you get prayed over, and you're sent out throughout the week to all the little corners of the community, to your workplace, to your school, to your neighborhood, to be missionaries, to have mission urgency, to tell others about the good news of Jesus. Verse 10, and the gospel must first be preached to all nations. We're gathered here so you're sent out as missionaries. We, church plant, we plant churches around the world because we want others to know about the good news of Jesus. And it's so inspiring to go to some of these places like Durango, Mexico, and see these churches that we partner with, how they're reaching people. It's so inspiring to gather together on Sunday morning and see how you're inviting others to church. Every week we have new people coming. Every week we have people coming to faith in Christ. It's inspiring to see the mission urgency that we have. Don't forget it. Colossians 4 talks about what our actions should be having mission urgency. And it starts with a word that I sometimes struggle with. It starts with the word devoted. It says devote yourself to prayer, being watchful and thankful. How are you doing with that? How are you doing that being devoted to prayer for those who need Jesus. And pray for us too that God may open a door for our message that we might proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I proclaim it clearly as I should. Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation always be full of grace, seasoned with salt, so you may know how to answer everyone. Listen, the Bible commends the enjoyment of life. We should enjoy life. But let's not be just so distracted with all the different things that we find enjoyable that we forget what the most enjoyable thing is. And that's worshiping Jesus and telling others about him. We need to have that mission urgency. 
Another thing that Jesus' return propels us now to rescue others by having the power to forgive. No one knows the hour or the time or the place that Jesus is coming back. And because of that, we should realize that our relationships here on earth are so vital. They're so important. Jesus valued community so much that we can have the power to forgive those that have wronged us. No one knows about that day or hour, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Be on guard. Be alert. You do not know when that time will come. It's like a man going away. He leaves his house and puts his servants in charge, each with his assigned task. And he tells no one at the door to keep watch. And he tells the one at the door to keep watch. Therefore, keep watch because you do not know when the owner of the house will come back. Whether in the evening or at midnight or when the rooster crows or at dawn, if he comes suddenly, do not, find, do not let him find you sleeping. What I say to you, I say to everyone, watch. Life is but a vapor. Life is short. And our relationships are so important. And so there may be people in your life that have really wronged you. But because Jesus is coming again to judge the living and the dead, you can have the power to forgive. And what an amazing witness it is for Christ when we find that power to forgive others. See, Jesus' return propels us now to rescue others by having spiritual alertness and, and mission urgency and the power to forgive and to have hope in suffering. One of the things that is an honor and a privilege, but it's also so difficult as a pastor, is that in this community, we have over a thousand people that would say that Good News Church World Golf Village is their home. Unfortunately, they're not here every week, but they would say that Good News Church is their church. And all of those people trying to be cared for by the power of the gospel, throughout doing that, we see that there is suffering. We live in a sinful world, and so we hear stories about marriages really struggling, and we hear stories about people in bad financial spot, and we hear stories about people struggling in school or going through cancer, going through other illnesses, having chronic pain in their lives. We see all that. But we also see God's faithfulness through that. You see, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, this is not your permanent home. That he is going to redeem and restore all things. And sometimes he does that here on this earth. But even if he doesn't, I want you to know if you're hurting, you're suffering, you're hurting emotionally or physically or spiritually, dear brothers and sisters, that's not going to last forever. For all eternity, he's going to restore all things, and that's going to be our home. So we can have hope in the midst of the suffering that we have. Verse 26, at that time, men will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great power and great glory. As we're living in the midst of sin, when we see him coming again, and when we go to him in our death, we will be overjoyed. Because we've all experienced some level of suffering. But to have that hope in suffering is, is the great call of the gospel. To have that mission urgency. To realize that he is going to redeem all things. And it's so cool when you see people actually doing that. I don't know if you know the story about uh, North Carolina State women's basketball coach um, Kay Yao. She knew she had terminal cancer. She got the bad news. She knew she wasn't going to survive it. And so what she did with the hope that she has in Christ is she created a video. 
sharing with everyone her faith in Jesus. And at her funeral, when finally the cancer overtook her, they showed that video to 4,100 people, her proclaiming the gospel of the hope that she had in the midst of suffering. And many people came to know Jesus. See it in our own community. People suffering, going through things. I just saw it this week with the Zelensky family. Brian Zelensky, who does the two-minute grill, usually he wasn't up here for a reason this week because he blew out his knee playing volleyball. And that's not where his kneecap should be. It's in the wrong place right there. He blew out his patella tendon, and I went over to visit him and talk with him and pray with his family. And of course, he didn't want that to happen. That's not like on his list of things to do this week. I'm going to blow out my knee. I'm going to be really excited about this. Of course, that wasn't what he wanted. But to hear his attitude and to hear his wife Krista's attitude about how Jesus has been so faithful in their lives. And it's a scary time for them. He can't drive. He owns his own business. But his first reaction was to figure out how am I going to glorify God the most through this. I mean, what an amazing thing to have hope in the midst of suffering. And so if you're suffering right now, know that there is hope. As a believer in Jesus Christ, you're not going to be stuck in this forever. You're not going to be stuck in this state forever. This is just a temporary home. One day he's going to restore all things. So Jesus' return propels us now to rescue others. There's 210,000 people in this county, and the number is growing every single day that don't know Jesus. They don't know where to find hope in the midst of their suffering. They don't know where to find eternal life. They don't know what to do uh, when they think about things of death. Listen, I've been there. It's a scary spot when you actually stop and think about what's going to happen when your death ends and you do, when your life ends, and you don't have an answer to that question. That's a very, very scary spot to be. And there's hundreds of thousands of people in our community that experience that. And so we need to remember that we are a rescue station. I'm going to close with, with this story that's kind of near and dear to my heart because it's where I grew up. On the coast of uh, New England, uh, there were, were these guys that decided many, many hundreds of years ago to help rescue boaters and captains that were stuck off the seacoast that their boats were going to be abandoned, that they were struggling in a storm, and they formed a club to go out and actually help these people. And so they would do that time after time after time. More storms would come up. And if you've ever been to New England in the fall going into the wintertime, those storms are wicked. You should say wicked, right? Like a New Englander. You see, they want to help rescue people. And so they did that. But they realized that bringing their boat down and bringing their people down Every time that happened was difficult. So they said, why don't we just build a place right here so we can have the boats be stored and we can go out and rescue people very easily. And so they did that. And they said, you know, we're spending so much time out here. Let's just build some beds here so that we can sleep here. So if there's a rescue that happens late at night or early in the morning, we're here to be able to rescue them. And so they did that. And then they said, well, we're here sleeping. So what we should do is build a kitchen. So we've got to eat. So they built a kitchen so they could eat while they're waiting to rescue people. And they said, you know, the time in between rescuing people, sometimes it's pretty lengthy. I mean, what are we going to do during all that time? Let's build a game room. And so they did that. They, they built a game room. And then as they were waiting and as they were getting older, they said, you know, rescuing people is really tough. So let's start a school so that we can train some younger men to do this to go and rescue people. And so they did that. And then budget time came, and they realized there was a deficit in the budget, 
And they said, you know what's really costing us a lot of money is this school. Let's cut out the school. And some people stopped and looked at what they were doing, and they said, you know, you started as a rescue station, but you're not really doing any rescuing any longer. So they decided to start a rescue station, and they went up the coast. They went up the coast, and they started a place, and they built the bedrooms, and they built the kitchen, they built the game room, and they started a school, and then they cut the school, and they stopped doing rescuing. And some people said, you're not rescuing any people, and they went up the coast. And now all up and down the coast of New England, you know what you see? All of these yacht clubs who aren't doing any rescuing at all. See, they started on mission to rescue people. Dear people of Good News Church, we are a rescue station first and foremost because we believe that Jesus' return is coming and that because that return is coming, that either people are going to face God in that or face God in their death, we need to be propelled to action. We need to be propelled to rescue others. Let's pray together. Lord, I'm so grateful for your mercy on me, so grateful for your mercy on your church. So many times we can get distracted with so many other things to do, but you put us here as a rescue station. Lord, help us to be propelled into action as a church. Help us to have mission urgency in our heart. Help us to have spiritual awareness so that we're able to help rescue others. Help us to have the power to forgive others, Lord. Help us to have hope in the midst of suffering so that we can show people the gospel. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.